How's it going? <laughs> it's going fantastic. It's going fantastic. I, yeah, uh, I'm doing pretty swell. Did you, you know what? I bought myself a, uh, a digital piano yesterday. So I'm going to, cool. we're facing the, the next round of lockdowns. So that's going to be my next uh, project is tinkling the old ivories and becoming a giant pianist. Cool. I bought, I have a digital drum kit. I bought it a while yeah. ago for lockdown version one, but I've not actually gotten around to trying it at all. Oh shit. Well, Hey, Liberty expert nation. If you want to hear me and David do a live jam session, drop some shekels in the, on the old. The drums. So like I said, if you want to hear us do a live dr- live jam session, uh, let us know, uh, send us a few shekels and, uh, we'll make that happen for you. Um, so today I wanted to ask you about the basically how much the bank of Canada is printing money. That's my understanding yeah. of the issue. Cause I've seen this graph circulating of all of these kind of like, you know, the U S fed and other kind of national banks or whatever, and how much uh, they're going into debt. And Canada's is just like not even on the same chart, basically. Yeah. It's, it's the only one that's skyrocketed. Um, but I don't actually understand what this graph means. And so I'm hoping you can help explain what the graph is and why it's, why it's particularly bad. My understanding is Canada's just going into way, way, way more debt uh, than any other country. Yeah. No, basically that's what it is. So it's, it's central, the chart shows central bank uh, assets uh, as compared to uh, year over year GDP growth. So central bank assets are, are, is essentially debt. Um, It's what Canadians essentially owe the central bank. Um, you know, so we have all this money printing going on, bailouts happening, um, money creation. And that's in part because of, uh, super low interest rates, right? Like my, my daughter just got a five-year fixed mortgage on a house for, I think 1.74%, which I've never seen interest rates that low before 1.74%, doesn't he, you know, so all this money, every time someone takes on, um, uh, a debt like that, uh, you know, that, that is new money that's being printed, essentially created out of thin air. And, and so this chart rec- uh, shows, I guess, um, is a, a rough proxy for how much money is being printed. Now, normally what you would want to see in a fiat system is that the money supply increases at the same rate as your GDP, right? So as production goes up, um, you, you know, your money supply increases in that way that the value or price value of the money remains relatively the same. If yeah. your money supply increases at a much faster rate than your GDP, uh, than your production, then, uh, your money starts to become devalued. And what that, what this chart shows is a rough proxy for that. Now there, there are some, you know, kind of technical issues with take, just taking this on its own, you know, GDP isn't necessarily the best measure of, of economic health, let's say, but it, it is interesting to see how like all central banks are essentially doing what the bank of Canada is doing, but the bank of Canada is way outstripping every other central yeah. bank. And, you know, there could be a few reasons for that. Um, and, you know, I think a big part of it is, not just a drop in interest rates, because I think most central banks are doing that and, and all the money printing. I think a lot of central banks are doing that as well. But 
I suspect a lot of it has to do with the fact that our GDP is is stagnating or dropping big time. I, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but you know, we the the oil patch is a big driver of the Canadian economy, and production there is way down. And so, um, so so that chart would show a spike even if Canada wasn't printing any new money, um, just based on the fact that the GDP is down, right? So, so th- this is part of the problem with. Um, with fiat currency and and fractional reserve banking, uh, you know central banking is is that you uh, you know the, the the money supply always increases in relation to the goods and services out there. The money beca- always becomes devalued over time. You know the Canadian dollar is worth I think ninety seven percent less than when it was first. Uh, when the, when the Bank of Canada was first created. So, you know, our dollars don't go nearly as far anymore. And, and this is a, a huge problem. So in short, Canada is, is screwed um, based on what we're seeing. And, and I mean, all this stuff was... Good, I get paid in U.S. dollars. Maybe it's a little oh, healthier. Well, yeah, a little bit healthier, but, you know... Um, the the U.S. is is printing trillions as well. Trump is talking about another stimulus package, mm. and um, you know there's lockdowns in all the major cities, like all the Democratic-run cities, um, you know where which are hub economic hubs, and and so you have to think that uh, you know with productivity being down and money supply increasing, the U.S. isn't going to be far behind Canada. I want to ask because you know people are saying. Or what tends to happen is you see something like this and like, you know, the economy is getting through the lockdown. There's less production, but everyone's still doing okay until eventually everything crashes, right? Like my understanding is this is what, uh, you know, socialist governments, left-wing governments always do is there should be an economic downturn. They don't want it to happen. So they print a bunch of money. They, They prop it up, but that can only last so long. And then the crash is only bigger. And then somehow that crash gets blamed on capitalism and the free market, whereas like the, the normal adjustments would, would not be the case, right? It's like building up, yeah, building yeah. up, and, and you're holding something together. You're putting tape on every part of it until eventually it just can't sustain itself and it collapses. Is that basically what's going to be going on again? And in you know, three to five years, we'll have this massive COVID crash of the economy? Yeah, I mean, that, that is what's expected. Now, you know, Austrian economists and libertarians have been predicting a crash for, for a long time, right? And honestly, we, we thought it would have happened a lot sooner than this. Uh, you know, the one thing we do know is it's unsustainable. It's just so difficult to predict exactly when it's going to happen because it's so, um, it's so complex and there's so many interlocking things going on here. Um, but it does have to happen at some point and it's difficult to predict when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Um, but you know, we've seen it happen over and over again throughout history with fiat money. They usually last no more than a hundred years. And, you know, we've been going on just over a hundred years. So it's due for a crash and all the signs that are there for a crash. And yeah, it, 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 everything is going great. Um, until it isn't. Right. And all of a sudden you see a huge spike in food prices and, uh, you know, fuel and food and ammunition become the currency of the day because your money starts to become worthless. We've, we've seen this happen in, in uh, Zimbabwe, for example. And I'm just looking here. I don't. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Right. 
you know, I got uh, 10 trillion Zimbabwe dollars right here right. that are maybe worth a loaf of bread. Um, right. you and know, that's, that's what people don't understand is like when you say Canada's dollar has lost 97% of its value or whatever, they like most young people don't understand what that means. It's like, right. well, think like when I go to Vietnam, I, yeah, I spent 10,000 dong is one Canadian dollar because right. their dollars just worthless. But someone at some point 50 years ago was earning a hundred dong and now yeah. that's worth nothing there. Right? right. And it's because the inflation just keeps going up. And so like relative to me entering that ecosystem as a Canadian, Oh, it's just cute. 10,000 dong. Like that's a dollar. Like yeah. as if, Oh, I can just move the decimal point. And it's like, no, but that's not actually the impact it has on those people who've been in that ecosystem their whole lives. Yeah. And if, if you just look at um, let, like, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in your savings account, right? You've, you've worked hard over, I don't know, 20 years and you've, put away a little bit of money, a little bit of money. And it's in a savings account that, that maybe makes 1% interest if that, right. Um, well, that doesn't even keep up with inflation. So that already that, that bank account is losing its buying power over time. Uh, so if that hundred thousand dollars is sitting there, it buys less and less each year you keep it in there. And, and then when you have a, a real economic crash, you know, what that hundred thousand dollars at one time might've bought you, uh, I don't know, a, a high-end Tesla vehicle. Now it's going to buy you a loaf of bread. Right. Um, and, and so that is how your wealth is robbed. And, you know, we've pointed this out once, uh, to, uh, to the, the, there's a first nations group that had a big, um, savings account, big tr multi-million dollar trust fund. And, you know, I pointed out to them, how, how would you feel if, you knew like we, we figured out how much it had depreciated based on inflation over the last five years. We said, how would you feel if someone just went into your bank account and took $5 million out of it? Um, what, what would you think about that? Well, we would charge them with theft and hang them up to dry. And like, you're robbing from our people I said, well, that's what the government's doing to you right now. This is what the central banks are doing to you. They're literally robbing. It's, it's as if they're taking $5 million out of your bank account, because that's how much your buying power has decreased over the last few years. And you know, th this is true of, of everyone. And, and it, it, it's, it sets up perverse incentives too, right? Because now, you're kind of dumb if you don't take on debt in this climate and create and have more money created, right? Like, you know, it, because um, it's so cheap, but what's happening is there's no savings going on, right? Everyone is taking on debt because that's the incentive. There's no savings happening. And that's what you need. I mean, we'd have been in a much better position to deal with lockdowns or economic slowdowns or people voluntarily uh, isolating themselves just, from this pandemic out of fear or whatever, if um, we had savings to draw from. And the reason we don't have savings to draw from is because interest rates are so low, they're artificially low uh, to, to create all this money and, and buying and debt. Um, and that punishes savers. I mean, if, like, like I said, if you put $100,000 in your savings account, you know, in the past, you, you could expect that that buying power would increase over time uh, because, you know, interest rates would be at a, at a higher uh, rate. And so you'd get that money would be increasing over time. Um, but now you don't even get enough interest to uh, keep up with inflation. And, you're, and, and that's the inflation that's reported by the government, right? And they use all sorts of wonky numbers 
you know, actual inflation is much higher than that, uh, we think, um, you know, because it, it, a lot of things aren't accounted for uh, by the way the government tabulates monetary inflation. So, so savings, uh, savings are being punished. And, and the reason savings are important is not just to help you through rough times, but it's also how you invest, right? How you invest in production. You need that money. You need to save up to invest in the means of production and to, to buy machinery and to buy technology and to, to start a business or to invest in a business. That's what you, before you can do any of that, you have to save up money ideally to do that. Whereas now, you know, you have to take on debt to do that if you want to do that. And if you, and if you're leveraged already, well, you're not going to be able to do that. So our ability to, to produce, to capitalize, to, to has been, has been hindered for, you know, well, since central banking started, it would be amazing to see where we'd be at today if we didn't have central banking and we didn't have intellectual property. I mean, it would be, literally be a Jetson's world, I think right now, if, if we, it didn't have those two things, but um, here we are. So getting back to this graph, it seems to me that, yeah, basically this shows that Canada's currency, the way Canada is being run is its money is just becoming worthless more quickly than other countries. Money. Yes. Um, and so what can the average person do about that? Uh, both for their own savings, their own money. And is there anything that can be done about trying to stop this from going on? You know, my understanding yeah. is the NDP and liberals are just running full steam ahead until, you know, the next election probably. So it's going to be a couple more years of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, precious metals are always uh, the, a good insurance policy against inflation, right? Uh, because they, you know, they, they tend to hold their value like an ounce of gold will buy about the same today as it did a hundred years ago. You could buy a goat or a nice suit with an ounce of gold, hundred years ago, that ounce of gold will buy about the same thing today. So it holds its value, you know, and you know, people kind of look at money the wrong way, right? They look at, well, is gold going up or down in value? Uh, I like to think of gold as just staying put, it, it, you know, if, if the price of gold is going up, that's more of a sign that our money dollars are becoming worth less and less. Um, so, you know, convert your savings to precious metals might be one way of doing that. Um, you know, there are, there are people like Doug Casey, you can follow who Doug Casey is an investor. I think he's a, probably a billionaire now. And Rick Rule, he's an, another anarcho-capitalist billionaire. These guys have learned the art of profiting from economic catastrophe and downturns. Um, because what happens is when there's a crash, there's all sorts of things on sale. Businesses go on sale, right? Like if an airline goes bankrupt, um, it's not like those planes disappear and not like the infrastructure disappears. They're there and they get liquidated and, and they go on sale. And so you can buy them for pennies on the dollar, right? And that's the same with any other business that goes bankrupt um, during this time because they're so leveraged with debt. So, you know, one thing... I might consider is uh, putting your savings into precious metals to, to maintain their value and wait for things to go on sale. Uh, and then you can, you can buy up things that, you know, businesses that you know something about that you have some expertise in and, um, and, and start making money that way. Um, you know, you can, uh, I'm not as confident in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin as I used to be. 
Uh, I just think there are too many competitors out mm. there. There's like any Tom, Dick, and Harry can know start it. Settle out twenty years yeah. from now. It's still too in flux. Right, because what what you ideally want is is kind of one standard currency. Um, you know that that would really you know if it turned out to be Bitcoin that would. But you know there's so many upstarts that are that are competing with it that you know the amount of cryptocurrency that out there is almost almost limitless, and you kind of want something that's scarce, right? Which is what, uh, what, uh, gold is. And so I know that Bitcoin is scarce. It can only ever be 21 million, but the, the number of, of Bitcoin like currencies, uh, is not scarce. And, you know, so the only thing that can make Bitcoin valuable is if, if it becomes widely adopted and kind of the standard system. So, I mean, you know, maybe it will, you know, signs are probably that it will. Um, it's kind of the gold standard of crypto. So, you know, if you feel confident with, uh, with, with uh, Bitcoin, you can buy that. One thing I've done in the past with my businesses is I've offered people a discount if they pay in precious metals or cryptocurrency. Um, because I think those are going to maintain their value longer uh, than fiat, right? So, you know, I've accumulated a little bit of Bitcoin by doing that. Um, so I think that might be a good way of, of accumulating things, uh, you know, especially if you're, if you're an online content producer, for example, where it's, you, you don't have a high overhead in your business and, you know, you're just looking for some cash flow, um, you maybe consider getting Bitcoin, getting paid in Bitcoin if you can afford to and, do that. And then other than supporting Keith Komar in the upcoming Toronto by-election, if they can, is there any other opportunity or any other thing they should do with respect to trying to prevent the Canadian government from running us all off a cliff? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I don't think that, the, that there's a lot we can do to stop it from happening, right? We, we have to just be aware of it and, and understand how that happens and why it happens. And then, um, you leverage that and use that to our advantage to, to survive and even flourish through an economic downturn. Like you, you can, you know, when you're in the investing world, this is what investors wait for, right? This is what, why Warren Buffett has had like over a billion dollars of cash just sitting there because he recognizes that, there's going to be a lot of companies on sale in the not too distant future. And that billion dollars he's got sitting there, he's going to convert, he's going to buy up a bunch of hard assets and businesses that um, are going to make him money and he's going to buy them for pennies on the dollar. So look at what those guys do. That that's always how investors have gotten rich. And um, you know, you can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be on a Warren Buffett scale, but you know, you can look at your community and say, okay, which businesses are, are struggling right now, which business could I potentially buy up and run on my own or what business could I invest in? You know, I suspect there's going to be a lot of commercial real estate available for relatively cheap pretty soon. Is that something worth investing in? Well, if you have uh, some expertise and, you know, you, you might want to consider buying that. But then again, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it because I don't know enough about commercial real estate. I, I don't know how I could make money off it. I don't even know if commercial real estate will come back, right? The new normal is probably going to be people working from home, not working in their office. Um, you know, so, so is there going to be much of a demand for commercial real estate as we come out of the other side of the bust? Uh, that I, I couldn't tell you, but, um, 
you know, there, there's going to be opportunities and you, you do well to educate yourself on, on that, protect yourself right now. Um, and then look for opportunities to, to flourish on coming out of the other side of the, the bust. Cool. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, David.